Welcome to the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Noel. And I'm Chris Heine. And this week, we want to say thank you to everybody that came out to the Cosmos opening. Last Friday, we had a bazillion people in here to see everything about the night sky, including planets, astral bodies, and 88 modern constellations. And at a couple times during the uh, party, we turned out the lights and gave some star tours. Yeah, it was super awesome. It was exactly one billion, bazillion people, did you say? I did. I said I bazillion. Counted. Yep. And uh, with that, we also got to meet some artists that were in the show. I want to thank all those guys for flying out here, driving, or walking on over. And um, it really is nice to put a face to the name sometimes for these kinds of things. So uh, we had a great time. Thanks again to everybody that made it out there. And uh, we would encourage you guys to take a peek at it online if you haven't seen it before. We have, of course, all 100 pieces archived online with all of the meanings and the symbolism and the lore on lightgrayoutlab.com slash cosmos. Uh, Or if you'd be interested in picking up a print or one of the decks that come along with it, we made a uh, 100-card Gilded Edge oracle and tarot deck with a 140 page book so you can actually look up to the night sky and determine your future or future prophecies and that of course is on shop.lightgrayartlab.com you can check them all out over there we want to let you guys know that we also have a couple things coming up here in the next couple weeks yeah we've got a few game nights coming up one this week the theme is escape, so we will be escaping danger, uh, all sorts of horrible, not horrible situations. Peril. Perilous situations maybe is the better word. So we might be playing games like Escape, Curse of the Temple, maybe Specter Ops, trying to run away from the awful, awful hunters. Spectres? Oh, just kidding. Yeah, no. No Spectres? No ghosts. Okay. Yeah, it's a stealth game of escape. And then I'm sure we've got a couple other ones on the event page. Yeah, if you check out the event calendar on the Light Gray Art Lab website, you'll be able to see the next four are all um, scheduled up there. There's one on November 19th, December 10th, and then again on December 17th, which is kind of out of step with our normal or every other week schedule, but that's because of, you know, holidays. Holidays. Oh, yeah. All those holidays, and we're getting up to the holiday season, and speaking of that kind of stuff, we actually have a Make My Holiday art swap that we're going to be putting out this week. If you'd like to sign up for that and be paired up with another artist from around the world, uh, swap some art, say hello, make a new friend. Uh, We totally encourage you guys to participate. So watch the blog. It's lightgrayartlab.com slash blog, and you'll be able to get all the information for how that works and how we pair you up. And again, spread the word if you know anybody else who wants to meet a new friend. So that'll be on the blog. And then also, keep your eyes peeled. Um, We do have another call for art coming up here very, very soon. It'll be for our January show. So um, here's a quick little warning um, to keep an eye out. And then the next show we have is on December 4th. It's called Bowerbird. Of course, it is inspired by all of the amazing collections the unique Bowerbird creates. Displays. Displays and uh, curates to kind of uh, show off its eccentric taste. And we know that every one of you guys has interesting collections that I'm sure you've got on full display somewhere in your home or in your car or in your studio. So we asked a ton of different artists to do an interpretation of one of those collections that they have for our new postcard show, which is on December 4th. Uh, Opening reception is from 7 to 10 p.m. And you guys can see this big old project that we've got. It's actually also... And we like to do this maybe once a year or so. It's a big swap project. So everybody involved is actually getting 
one of each of all of the postcards that are going to be available. And so again, all participating artists get that full set. And so you'll have another collection for yourself. It'll be glorious. It will be glorious. So anyway, we've got a great conversation. Chris and Francesca got together to discuss what, Chris? Well, Francesca was in town and while she was here, she really wanted to play a lot of board games because that's one thing that she has a harder time doing in Seattle now that she's new out there. So we uh, played a whole bunch of games while she was here on Halloween. And we are just going to have a little conversation where we talk about our thoughts on those now that she's kind of played these new exciting games so it's it francesca's a amazing review hour oh francesca's amazing review hour yeah maybe that'll be the title i like that and is it a mixture of new games and old classics um it's m- a little bit it's more new games but um there's a cu- not i wouldn't say old classics but there's a few games from older older games yeah that's cool and you guys know we've got game night every two weeks over here and so if you've been wanting to know what those are about, I know Chris mentioned some of them, but this will be a good chance for you guys to see some of the best games that are coming out more recently. So I, there you have it. So without further ado, here is Francesca and Chris's what game review hour? Magical board game hour. I don't know. Yes. We need some <laughs> theme music. Welcome back. Francesca to the lovely city of not here now you're back in Seattle right yeah I'm back in Seattle you sound absolutely aesthetic <laughs> work tomorrow yeah, you're probably just bouncing I, I work the walls. tomorrow work is good and Seattle's really good but for some reason I'm still really sad about it <laughs> that's okay there's always like a moment of of memories before you actually get back to your real life after a vacation so I totally understand yeah. But the good thing is on our vacation or on your vacation, it wasn't really a vacation for me, but on your vacation, we got to play a bazillion games. We did. That's Not as many more... as we thought, but still a lot, right? Yeah. I I would have liked to do another Netrunner. We only did one. Yeah. But yeah. And well, there's a lot of stuff we had. I think we were forever making a list of all the games we were going to play when you came back. And it was like, you probably would have needed probably like 72 hours straight to even get through them all. Did you get any of the games in the list? Because I know there was. Um, yeah, I mean, we got some. I think so. Yeah, we got we got a couple of the big ones. One of the big ones for sure. OK, good. Yeah, I think I know which one that one is. But, but anyway, let's just walk through these and let's just okay. go one by one. And I'm going to go in the order pretty much that we played them. The first thing that we played was the Grizzled, right? Yes. Well, yeah. And even if it's not, we're going to do it this order anyway. But anyway, the first thing we played was the no, that Grizzled, was it. which that is was a new first... new game. It's like brand new, actually. It's 2015. Um, I looked it up on BBG. Yeah, it's 2015. And not only is it 2015, I think um, it came out at Gen Con, I believe. Um, but the first time that I saw it in the stores, I bought it. So it was like brand new, fresh off the shelf, called to the new hot hot. So um, basically, the Grizzled is a cooperative game set in World War One. Yep. Um, it is very abstract, I would say. Basically, you are working with your team to play cards from your hand out mm-hmm. onto the table without creating matches. Would you say yep. that's generally how it works? That's generally how it works. There's a lot of um, nuance to that where some cards are traps and they make you play more cards faster. Some cards give you horrible abilities where you have to do things that are very detrimental. They're kind of, they call them hard knocks and they're basically like traumas you've endured during the war to change your personality. But generally it's very abstract, even though there is a lot of flavor, I think. Yeah. The, the flavor comes from 
the really, really amazing pictures, I think. Yeah, and that's what I was going to bring up. I think the thing that sold me immediately on the Grizzled is the artwork, which is very um, kind of European cartoon. I don't know. Do you have a better kind of sketchbook? No, I was thinking of Tintin. Tintin? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, And it's actually really sad. The artist um, is Tignus, who is one of the... um, one of the artists who was killed in the Charlie Headbow shooting. So um, it was actually picked up. um, He's not one of the designers, but um, it was picked up by cool mini or not. And I'm not sure if that's the only reason, but I think it was partly kind of um, to bring this project to fruition, even though it it, um, had such a tragic kind of turn of events during it. So it it had been completed then sometime before. I'm not sure if it had been completed. The artwork obviously had been pretty much completed, although they could have kind of scavenged and filled in the rest for whatever they needed. But um, but I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure. But I know that it's possible that they picked up the game how it was and then Cool Mini or not put in a lot of work to kind of polish up the game the rest of the way, which is a total possibility. But it plays two to five players. And in my opinion, I've actually played it with two and you need to use a dummy player and it's not ideal. It actually was very easy, and I found with this game, it's really easy with two players, hard with three players, really hard with four players, and just, like, incredibly hard with five players. I don't even... Did you play with five players? I don't even I know did, how yeah, you do I it. I did, yeah. I played it with... I think I played it with all player counts, actually, now, which is good, because I think a co-op game should be hard, or else it's... What's right. the point? Well, the, the thing about the game is, I think that it seems a major mechanic is trying to be able... How do, you, how do I put this? You don't want to try to guess what your neighbors are doing, but you're trying to not harm them without actually knowing how to not harm them. Right. And I guess I should point out that one of the major mechanics that we didn't mention is that you're trying to play these cards out to a central tableau without creating matches. However, you cannot talk about what you have in your hand, what you're going to play, what you need to play. Um, basically, any information about what you're doing is is all not allowed to be talked about so it really is um i think the general theme is kind of you're in the heat of the battle and you're trying to do whatever you can but you know communication is um limited at best um the the theme of the game is actually um kind of tragic too i don't know if you looked at the box a lot a um, little bit and all the artwork the cover i i mean i'm i'm interested in world war one and I'm interested in that cartoony style. So yeah, and it's cartoony, but it's not. It's funny cartoony, but it it is very. Um, it's not silly. No, if that makes sense. Yeah, no. It's it. And the other thing I liked about the artwork, I know we already sort of talked about the art, but I liked that it feels different than most game artwork. Like I think. Yeah, for sure. Th- there's a lot of really beautiful game artwork, but this is kind of it on a shelf. It stands out because it doesn't look like most game artwork. Yeah. Because I feel like it's either game artwork will sway super, super cartoony, like funny, or sway like hyper real. Yeah, like yeah, Game of Thrones or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think with the artwork though, it it's it's about World War One, which was just a brutal, horrible time. Mm-hmm. Um and the artwork is is kind of reflects that, like it's kind of dirty and you know, there's a lot of things going on in it and then but if you looked at it it's about five friends who are trying to survive until they all got drafted from the same town they're trying to survive until the end of the war um you're kind of depleting these decks that act as two timers one is a peace deck if you can get to the bottom of the peace deck you win you've survived through the war and everyone's happy you uh, you know you were friends and you survived until the end of the war but then there's also the morale deck and that's always kind of after every turn it's kind of funneling over to the um the peace deck 
So you need to basically get rid of cards faster than it can pile them back onto the deck. And if you ever get to the bottom of the morale deck, it exposes a monument and everyone has you know died in battle and there's this monument built to them. But um, one thing that I thought was a really awesome detail is, and you might not have noticed this because the cover has the five friends and they're in the trenches and mm-hmm. you know it's in the middle of the war and it's dirty and grimy. But if you look, I think it's on the back of the manual. If you look on the back of the manual, there's an illustration of all of the characters before the war. And they're all, they're like sitting in, you know, probably oh, some like French, you know, French cafe or something. I did see something. that. I was wondering what that was. I, I kind of guessed that it was them not And you really wearing... have to, you, you have to really look at them because, you know, they all have like big bushy beards or mustaches, you know, and they're yeah. all grizzled. And then these are like baby's face versions of them from a couple of years before. And it or looks something. sunnier and happier. And yeah. And it looks very it. happy. And it's very much like that. Um, it's very much like that, you know rose tinted glasses of these friends enjoying you know i don't know if they're drinking coffee or beers or whatever but they're just having a great time together and it really like it almost made me really sad because i was just like these are like really good friends and you know then they're just in this horrible situation and it actually made me even though it's very cartoony it really made me think about the theme um which you know really is kind of funny considering how abstract the theme actually is well, they all um, have like you play as a character that has a name too, and I don't yeah, think that's something happens. And I believe often. they're all relatives of the people who created the game as well. Yeah, you were mentioning that because the monument has the names, and yeah. you're saying that. Yep, that's um, pretty cool. Yeah. So anyway, the the game you thought was pretty fun, right? I loved it. Uh, we did not win at all. We did not win. No, we we didn't. we came close ish, right? One time. The second time was better. The first time we lost so fast; <laughs> it was kind of disgusting. Like. But I, the, the thing I like about co-op games is that I don't usually expect to win. Like, I, I feel like most of the time you don't win. And right. that's kind of, that's part of... I think a good co-op game is like a 50-50 win percentage. And I think this one is less. Yeah. yeah. Which isn't really a horrible thing. But, I mean, also Elder Tor, one of my favorite co-op games, is like, I probably have, what, like a 3% win percentage. I won once. And That's what I thought. I, I, I was going to say, have you won more than once? I've, I've just never only won, won that, that one time. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and when you did, I felt like you should probably go out for dinner because I, <laughs> I, I still don't know how you did that. Yeah. Um, but this game, it, it does, it feels hard. I actually, after playing it both times, I feel that it, it felt harder to win than most co-op games but it didn't feel so impossible that i wouldn't keep trying right you know? and it's short too i, I think and that's the other thing it's short it's, it's not short like... enough that you wouldn't you're not just like what a waste of time we just spent hours doing it it's probably it says 30 minutes on the box and i would say if you were playing with full player count and people were kind of like really being thinky about it it would probably take 30 minutes yeah i feel like maybe it takes 30 minutes to win but it takes 15 minutes to lose <laughs> because you yeah. usually lose faster well, we, the than first win. time we lost like in three minutes we yeah <laughs> Super um, fast. There's like no setup too. I will add that. That's a huge thing. For, one thing about Eldritch Horror is like after you lose, you just don't want to. You're you're done. Yeah. It's been six hours and you, you don't. Yeah, it's feel basically like just counting out twenty five cards and then handing everyone a player and then you're ready to go. Yeah. So the theme, like I said, was matching symbols. The symbols are like a shell, a air raid whistle, um, a gas mask, and then there's winter, rain, and uh, Night. snow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Snow, rain and night. Um, And you can never have any three of those. So you can have a card with a whistle and a night and you can't, you know, as long as there's not three nights or three whistles, you're fine. So it's kind of like this 
just really paying attention to what's out there. People get traumas which are played on themselves, which count towards that um, goal. So it's like a permanent winter, which is really painful. Um, mm-hmm. But did you feel like the theme made sense with the game? Did yes. you feel like it did? Okay. Yeah, I think it did. I think the one thing about it is, though, is it's a pretty... It's a simple game, and one thing about games like that is I feel like you can skin them many ways and make it work, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. And I I mean, I feel like this made sense, but that isn't to say that you couldn't have skinned it a different way and have it also have made sense. Right, and I, and I think this it could also make sense, but however, I think it would be a worse game because I think the theme... And the, the fact that it is it? World War One, which was such a bloody and, and you know excruciating war to fight in, yeah, um, kind, of, kind of and traumatic, actually, really traumatic. Yeah, and it reinforces the difficulty of the game, which makes it okay that it's really difficult because if it was just like you're, um, you know, if you're going to pick mushrooms or something like that, and you never ever win, you're like, why is picking mushrooms so difficulty or so difficult? Yeah. I don't know why I picked that one. That was a weird one, but. You know, if it, you know if it was something that you wouldn't expect to fail at so often, it probably would be different. And that's why like Cthulhu games work really well for being really difficult, right? Uh, co-op games because you are just like kind of expected to lose. Yeah. Um, well, that yeah, that makes sense. You have to think of uh, something that is like so big and like insurmountable tasks. You have no control. And and World War One is definitely, especially as far as World Wars go, something that is. Uh, I don't know how much people it's like are incomprehensible how yeah just just completely horrifying like it is the war to end all wars even though it didn't which is unfortunate yeah but so basically you recommend this game probably oh yes definitely I, I recommend this this is a game I would recommend to like like I would buy this for my parents and my parents like games but they are probably not as patient about like long complicated rules mm-hmm. but they want to play a fun game and I feel like this is a good one because you can sit down a few people and teach them really, really quickly and you can play like right then. Yeah. And that being said, the rule book is okay. It is not the greatest for how simple the game is, but it's, it's decent, but learning from someone else is, you know, usually the best anyway, but in this case, I think it definitely is um, really helpful. So I have a couple more questions really quick and then we can move on. Um, do you feel like you could play this game a lot or is it kind of something that you would get bored of just because it is kind of simple? I could play it a lot, but I think my tolerance is high because, okay. well, and the other things, this is, a, you know what, this is a great game to start. If you're doing like game session with friends, start with this one mm-hmm. because it will not burn you out. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I totally and, agree. It's basically like you could you can start a game day or you can just play this game before dinner comes or something like yeah. once or twice and you could do that every so often and it's never going to like, you know, it's not so much of a commitment that it ever really grinds on you. Right. Uh, and it's also hard enough that it's not just like a, oh, of course we're going to win this. We're so good at it. Um, yeah. It and, is also, I think one thing I, I didn't feel, even though I would keep playing it, I didn't feel like I needed to play it until I won. And that might actually help me want to continue to play it. Because you don't get frustrated. Yeah, well, and also just because, like, so I've played it a few times now. I haven't won yet. So I still want to keep playing it because mm-hmm. it would be nice to win someday. Yeah. But I'm not necessarily going to sit down and play it 12 times in a row until I win, you know? Yeah. Although you could, and it probably wouldn't take that long. But no, well, I would... guess 12 times is a lot of times. But yeah, yeah, you could definitely I play it. I expect I'll lose a lot. But... I feel like it's rare you'd play this game just once, though. 
also. Yeah. No, you unless probably... you won the first time, then maybe you'd be like, okay, we did it. But uh, usually, I feel like every time I played it so far, we played at least two times. Right. Well, the first time three we times played maximum. it, we did lose really quick the first time, and that definitely has an impact on. I think a quick lose makes you want to immediately do it again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, cool. Well, the next game we played, um, and I'm skipping over one because I want to talk about it in a second because we get played it again with more people the next day. But oh, yeah, the next one we know. played is Codenames. Yep. Which is a really great party game. Basically, it's a word game and it can play anywhere from um, two, actually. It can play two and three, okay. Um, four is best, and but then it can play anywhere above that because basically uh you have two people who are code masters and two people who are basically just trying to solve the code um and there's a grid of 25 words out on the board that are totally unrelated they're drawn from a a randomized deck um and then there's a key that's just a a little piece of uh a little card that has the a grid of 25 also and some of these squares on this grid are marked blue some of them are marked red Um, and if you're on the red team, you need to get your teammates. If you're the code master, you need to get your teammates to guess all of the red words before the blue team guesses all the blue words. Uh, and the way that you do that, it's pretty simple. You get to say one word and you get to say one number. And the word is the clue about what words they are trying to guess. And the number is how many, um, words relate to that word. So basically if I said ocean three, um, they might pick boat um, salt and, uh, I don't know, octopus. Those -hmm. three things belong in the ocean. They're, they're included in my words. Um, but of course you don't want your team to guess the other team's words. There's also, um, just like beige ones that aren't anyone's team, but they end your guesses if you guess them. And then there's one car or there's one square that's always black. And that is the assassin. And if you ever guess the assassin, it instantly ends the game. So it adds a humongous amount of danger because you need to look at all your words, which are totally random. They are not similar in any way, shape, or form. So you need to look at all yours and then say, where are commonalities between these words? And then you need to look at all your enemies or your other teams and say, if I say, you know, if I say ocean, is there anything in ocean that's going to, you know, overlap into theirs and, and maybe they'll get a point. Uh, right. so and then you everyone... need to look at the beige ones and make sure, you know, that those are less important because at least you're not actively helping the other team. And then you need to make sure you look at the black one and say, the game is over if my team guesses the black one. So I need to make sure that this clue has nothing to do with that whatsoever. Right. Um, at the beginning wrong. of the game, it's a humongous um, mental gymnastics, I would say, like processing all that. It's kind of um, really stressful to be the codemaster at the beginning. But actually, once you get going, it's really simple. You were really tired when we played this game. Yeah. How did that feel? (laughs) I guess, how did that that go over? So the the assassin part, I thought was interesting because... And the first time I did fine. The second time we played, I, for some reason, just decided not to look at what that was. And the word that I used was my generic word to describe the words that I wanted. I said transportation to Felicia because I had plane and what did I have? I yeah, it's flying. related and, to transportation, yeah. yeah. Yeah, right. But then the assassin word was train. And I, for some reason, just ignored it. And so she immediately picked the assassin and we died in the first turn. It was, yeah, the literally first pick. The first pick she, thing she picked. So that's the interesting thing about this game is that you just get points. Like 
either team gets points by the guesser touching a card. So whoever's card it is gets a point or gets, you know, advances in the in winning. Right. So it's And you um, only need eight, basically. Yes. So it's super delicate like that. Like you don't Yeah, so it's very much a game of hopscotch because you're trying to get as many words as possible on a turn because if you know if you got two words every turn it'd be over in four turns so you got to make sure that you get more than two every turn so you're really trying to like put together the biggest very tenuous um, relationships and try and make sure the other team gets it yeah when i played this game with Lindsay's parents they played it very safe and they would always pick one so they would just say like ocean one and then the other one would also give a clue that was one. And I was like, you realize this is just a tit for tat. And whoever started is just going to win. Yeah. That's um, why I went broad in general. Yeah. You and Felicia had the exact opposite tact where you were so, you cast the widest net in the world. And because of that, <laughs> you constantly were giving points to the other team because you just, you were, I know mean, you were really tired. It was, you had just flown but in and it was on like the 2 a.m. One thing I like about this game, and even though we did do that and that, was not good for winning the nice thing is that it the game is pretty fast paced and i feel like if it was any slower i would not be able to i wouldn't i wouldn't enjoy it and speaking of that i think one really clever thing that they did and this game is also uh i should say it's it's um it is developed by vlada shvatel which um makes is makes tons of different board games through the ages mage knight these giant heavy crunchy complicated board games and this is like a really elegant simple party game that he made Mm -hmm. um and one thing that i really liked that he did that he he gave you this timer that really doesn't have any rules you know the timer is not essential and it just basically says if you ever feel like your opponent's taking too long flip the timer and then they have until the end of that timer to make their decisions yeah. And I, I really, really necessary. love that because not only is it fun and, and it keeps the game moving, but it also is a humongous uh, psychology game, I guess. When people yes. are struggling, you just flip it and stare them right in the eye and flip it over and like, <laughs> you know, really Did make them sweat. we use it? I don't um, think you guys didn't it. flip it very much. I mean, you were really tired too. I don't even think you realized it was there, but. Um, no, you do mentioned it, but I feel like, I don't know. I, that is, like I said, I, I couldn't, I don't think I could do the one this word means one like that i think we might have did that a couple times and I was usually like, you is... reserve that if you only literally have one left you have one and you're left. just like yeah. gotta bring it home and then right that's why when you get close to that end especially down to one or two words you need to like go big or go home because it's so easy to get one word it, it's really difficult to get three or four or you know yeah i don't even five maybe has happened once or something but so it really puts the pressure on because if you if your team is down to one word you know that it's over the next turn. We didn't play it much, so I don't think we have a ton to say, but did you like it? I did like it. I would play it with people that are not board game people, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And I, I also, like it. I think it's a lot better when you have four players, so oh, it yeah. really gets that team dynamic instead of kind of having one person who's neutral and just like, yeah, I'll guess everything. Hooray. Yeah. It's fun, and it's, it's fun, and it's good thinking, and once I think it's one of those games to where... I feel like this is about most party games. If people are like, who wants to play a party game? I'm like, I'd rather play a different game. Mm-hmm. But it's fun. Once you get into it, you're, you want to keep doing it. Like you could keep doing it over and over and over again. So yeah, it's definitely, it is really and I think the pedigree of the designer really shows through about how oh, clever yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. 
So the next up was a super light game. You guys were just delirious with uh, oh, yeah. sleep deprivation. So we play. I just we just played a really really quick game of Sushi Go. Um, yeah, Felicia actually a, bought that one. Oh, did she? <laughs> yeah. It's a super light drafting game. So basically, you start with a hand of cards in in a three player game. It's nine cards, I believe. You start with a hand of nine cards, and the cards are used when they're played um, to create combos, to create um, different scoring opportunities. But the trick is you get to take one of them and then you pass your hand to the, your, basically to your left and every, all, each person passes it around. So you're sharing your cards with your opponent. Mm-hmm. So if you take a, a really good card, your opponent could take the pair that you were looking for um, just to stop you from getting it or maybe they need it themselves. So the really popular example of this is Seven Wonders, which probably a lot of people have played. A lot of people have probably played Sushi Go at this point. It might be just as popular or more popular. But um, Seven Wonders is a really good game, but it's much bigger. It's much heavier than uh, Sushi Go. Would you agree? Yes. yes. Oh, definitely. It is. It's funny because it's... I don't want to say it's identical in game mechanics because there's some... It's a tiny bit more complex but for how much bigger it is, it's not that much more complex. Yeah, well, I mean, I wouldn't say they're identical, but I mean, Seven Wonders has the whole like resources that you're using to yeah, right, build right. things. And, you know, Sushi Go has none of that. It's just take a card, all the cards score in different ways. So you're just trying to get the best score. Um, there's none of, you know, that building and needing some things to pay off other things and build and kind of grow, and grow an economy yeah. or anything like that. But, yeah. but that said... I definitely get the same satisfaction or roughly the same experience. Yeah. Like when I'm done with it, I'm like, that is kind of the same feeling I get after I play seven wonders. However, sushi go plays in five minutes where seven wonders plays in an hour or 45 minutes or something, you know, it's a much longer game. Um, so it really kind of has, um, it probably isn't as, um, as replayable as seven wonders, but it really has kind of filled the same role in my, playing so normally um because seven wonders isn't the you know meatiest game in the world if i want to play a drafting game i'll just pick up sushi go because it takes five minutes and it's really easy for everyone to understand and there's no complicated scoring or anything like that so it's like the perfect uh filler game between other games yes. almost more than any of the other ones we've played because yeah, it's, it's so, so simple and so easy. it's so simple and so like light in in like tone also because you're looking at cute pieces of sushi. So. Yeah, I was going to ask, Did you? are you a fan of the I, artwork? I like it. I like it. it. I also like that we played that particular time we were playing games with all different kinds of artwork. But it's like the cutest sushis. And I like Japanese food a lot. So Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why it has to be sushi. I don't think it really no, m- makes but, any sense as far as that's concerned but i no, think but, it's really cute and it's just really adorable little artwork so yeah my favorite's a gyoza i'm happy that they actually did that because it they could have just did all sushi but there's a gyoza and that's the best i think i think it's a dumpling oh it is a dumpling yeah okay. but yes i guess a gyoza is a dumpling i know it's shaped like a half circle so i was like oh. <laughs> cool uh, there's not a lot to say about that i say it's so cheap it's like yeah. probably 11 dollars at like and you can find it everywhere. It's at Target. It's at Barnes and Noble. It's everywhere. And and although I have tons and tons of other games I could play, I think it is a worthy addition to my collection. It's a game that Lindsay and I play at coffee houses all the time. Yeah, it fits in your it, pocket, and you can just right. pull it out and and whip it out. And once you know what you're doing, I would say like five minutes is generous for a game. Yeah. 
of three yep. rounds. Like it is so fast. You're just like once you know what you're doing, you're just like pop 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 done. Pop yep. pop 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 done and then score and you're done. So So if you're tired of Love Letter that as your coffee house game, then this is another coffee house game. Yeah, and it's by GameRight who always has really nice production on their games. So it's a really high quality package for and you can get it on Amazon or something for seven or nine dollars. So anyway, the Good next one. game that I want to talk about, and we only have a couple left, but the next one I want to talk about is One Night Revolution. Okay. And One Night Revolution is like really new. All these games are pretty well. Sushi Go is not very new, but um, the Grizzled and Code Names are both both very new. Um, One Night Revolution is uh, a direct descendant of One Night Werewolf, One Night Ultimate Werewolf, which is a five minute version of the popular game Werewolf, which is also known as Mafia. Um, it really takes that experience and condenses it down to a game that cannot take any longer than say seven minutes. It is timed with an app in the case of One Night Ultimate Werewolf. So you're either on the good team or the bad team. In Werewolf, it's werewolves. In Revolution, it is informants. And you each um, kind of go through this night phase where you close your eyes and do a series of actions. The actions can mix up the cards. They can look at other people's cards. They can do all sorts of nefarious things. Um, that gather information or um, kind of mix up information. And then at the end of this little night phase, which usually is somewhere in the realm of one minute long, you all open your eyes and then it is 100% free discussion. There's basically no rules besides the time limit of what you're going to discuss in. You usually have five minutes and you get to discuss, say whatever you want, as long as you don't show your role as a bad guy or a good guy. You can say anything, you can accuse anyone, you can say anything you want. And then at the end of that time, everyone has to point at someone, whoever has the majority of fingers pointed at them, gets revealed. If it's a bad guy, the good guys win. If it is a good guy, the bad guys win. These games are interesting because they are pure lying deception yep with very few rules almost no rules besides the timer which just makes it so you don't argue forever um how did you feel about this one i like this game i actually enjoy this game more than werewolf you do yes how many times I, have you played werewolf one night uh, ultimate werewolf i should say uh three or four maybe okay. okay so not a ton and i've also played um resistance i, I should resistance. also say yeah one night Revolution is a mix of the popular social deduction game Resistance and One Night Ultimate Werewolf. It's basically a combination of the two. Yeah. Yeah. And I do, well, and the other thing is, I think I like Resistance more than Werewolf. So this was like, I don't know, this is going to sound maybe false, but I feel like it's simpler to understand. It seemed like there was less pieces to it. So it was. In One Night Revolution? Yeah. Even though that that might not be true, but there's something about it that made more sense to me. So I didn't, I don't know. I didn't feel like, like, I feel like I got it pretty quick. So yeah, I enjoyed it. But I also I'm actually surprised to hear you say that because I feel like it is a little bit more complicated. Yeah. And I I figured that was the case because I know there's, I know there's another, there's a token that you get that's an additional. um, Right. In One Night Werewolf you basically don't have to say anything. You don't have to give up any information. And a lot of the strategies, uh, sitting there listening to what other people say before you reveal that, trying to catch people in lies, trying to um, suss out who might not be in the game if you're one of the bad guys, trying to claim a role that might not have been taken. 
Um, in One Night Revolution, it really puts everything right up front because there's basically one token for every role. And starting with whoever was the first player, they get to take a token. And nothing mm-hmm. can be said during this phase. Right. So if you were a role that gets taken, you have to take a role that's not yours. And you can't start talking about it until everyone's taking a role. So it really puts everything off. It puts everything really up front. Whereas in Werewolf, there's always a a long time of hesitation where people don't want to reveal what they are. In this one, it forces you to say something yes. right up front. And I think that that actually might be why I thought it was, or I like it better, or why I feel it was simpler, is that, I mean, every time I played it, well, not every time, maybe most of the times I played it, the role that I had was always taken by somebody else. So I was immediately, con- not, I was confused and like... You're like almost put on the defensive or... The ag- right. The well, I was like, well, obviously I somebody, I would look at the per- the two people or the one person that took my role and I'd say, one of you guys is <laughs> messed this up somehow. <laughs> you know, even if, even if I was the bad guy, like I, I still kind of was wondering why I didn't have my role. Um, and I think that was helpful because yeah, in Werewolf, you kind of have to just jump in. You mm. almost have to, somebody has to start either lying or fabricating a story immediately. Right. Whereas with this, there's already kind of a story happening because of those roles. Mm -hmm. And I would say with both of these games, I think the best kind of tactic that for people who are confused about what they should be doing, because people who are playing it for the first time are really usually confused. They're like, am I supposed to be lying? Can I tell the truth? Can I lie? Is this okay? You know, and it's really just like anything goes, say whatever you want, say anything you want, you know? Um, And I think in this one, it, it's even a little bit more tricky because once you take that role, it almost seems like everything's on the table and it's more about like figuring out the motives. Like I know that person probably didn't have that role. Why, like what benefit did they have from taking that role? Right. Are they trying to prevent someone else from being believed that they, you know, if they're the person who gets to look at someone else's card, do they want to cast doubt on what that person might have seen or, you know, like, and if you're sneaky about it, like I know there was there was one situation where one of the people we were playing with took my role and I don't think it was his role. And I was like, OK, and, and he was acting shifty, but at the end he was not an informant. And I was like, that was super like I thought you were an informant. But I mean, that's yeah, it was very sp- suspicious behavior, but he was really just doing to see how the the game played or how the in, how the bad people would react. Yeah. Yeah, and it, and in that I game mean, they killed all three bad yeah. people. They actually yep. there was a tie for who was guilty, and all three of us who got picked were guilty, which was really painful for me for my pride. But but uh, but it was pretty successful. I mean, it's not always quite so clean, but I and I do like resistance too. Like this game does have a very re- resistance feel to me. I think it's well, it's faster than resistance. It's yeah, a lot for sure. Less, it's a lot faster. Yeah, yeah. It's less messing about, but I feel like you could put both those games on the table, and similar to the how Sushi Go is to Seven Wonders, this is to Resistance, where I I get the same satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think so. it's a it's a it's a really good game. I'm not positive I like it more than Werewolf yet, but I do think it's really cool. It's really different. One thing I do like is your affiliation with the good team or the bad team is independent of the action you take at night. Where in One Night Ultimate Werewolf, if you are the seer who gets to look at other people's card, it pretty much means you're good. Yeah. Um, whereas this one, it doesn't matter what you did because it's irrelevant to whether you're good or bad. 
whereas it's directly tied to it in one night. So it kind of mixes up your strategies. The roles are different between informant and rebel though. Like, like, yes, that's true. If you are the, uh, if you are a certain role, what you're allowed to do is slightly different, which is also why I think it's a little bit more confusing or a little bit harder for new people to pick up. Right. It it complicates things, but almost in a good way where it's like, I think it puts more things on the table for, here's the other thing. These games, I have a really hard time lying. So the more little bits that are in there that I can kind of fib with, the better. And that's one of the things where it's like, well, the, um, what was an example of one? Not the observer, because that one didn't do anything, but like uh, the thief, for instance, his role as either the informant or the rebel, they're different things, but they're very similar. They have to do switching people's ID cards. Which is like their affiliation with good or bad. Right. But the way that they switch them is different depending on whether they inform it a rebel. So, yeah. so there's a lot can, to take in, even though not a lot happens. Right. And it makes it easy to, easier to lie, which is great. Yeah. Cool. Well, that sounds like you are pretty into that one. Yeah. No, I, this, this is going to be all good. Well, I know. I mean, we don't, I, I did not pick out any bad game. I wasn't like, I'm going to show Francesca this garbage game, but all right. So the next two are probably two of the most exciting ones and yes. we're already going pretty long. So hopefully we can, Go through these pretty quick. But the first one is Mysterium. Yes. Which is also the new hotness. <laughs> it is. Um, it, all these games, I w- was looking on Board Game Geek and it, to log plays, and I was like, what? 2015? 2015? Here's another 2015. Yeah. I mean, these are the ones you weren't around to play before. So that's why we're yeah. kind of pulling them out now. But Mysterium is another cooperative game. In this game, basically, one person is a ghost who has been murdered. And there are psychics sitting around the table who is all the other players, and they're all on a team together. Each person is assigned a suspect, a location where the crime was committed, and a murder weapon. And the ghost has them behind this kind of screen, a player board, um, kind of like a dungeon master screen. And he has to communicate to everyone else who, what, and where the murder happened for each person who has a separate murderer, basically. And the way that the ghost does this is they have a hand of seven cards, which has fantastical, somewhat kind of like, abstract uh, artwork. Uh, what's a good word for dreamlike? They're they're, they're very dream-like. yeah. <laughs> That's a good non sequitur dream. Yeah, they're very. They have a lot of symbology packed within them, and yeah. they don't make a lot of sense. They're kind of like strange things, like a like a typewriter floating inside of clouds with a night or, you know, just weird things, I guess. That's yeah. Really with lots example, of but. details too that are just, yeah. Lots of bits. details, very saturated color, very, yeah. you know, kind of, um, they're gorgeous. They're, yeah, they're this really game nice. is really pretty. So for instance, if somebody needed to find the chef and they're looking at a tableau of, you know, eight people, I might hand the person this illustration of a mouse in a mouse hole, but he, you know, there's a cupcake in his, in his mouse hole or something like that. And I want the person to pick up on the cupcake, but there's also all these other things. So maybe someone would look at it and be like, oh, he's in a mouse hole. That's wood. It must be the carpenter or, you know, there's a mouse on it. It must be, you know, the, the, the hunter because he deals with animals. So it's kind of, um, just trying to get people to make these, um, kind of connections using these very dreamlike images. So I guess it's supposed to represent, um, visions or dreams that the ghost is sending these investigators in the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, it, was, it is really hard. Like, 
it is hard, you know, and well, before we get to that, the, the, the game itself has beautiful artwork. It has some of the best components I've ever seen. Yes. It is a production that is totally ridiculous. Yeah. It is just like off the chart. It's got this giant player screen that has, you know, it's really well organized. It make it, it makes it so easy to play. Um, yeah. The original printing, it was like a Ukrainian game that came out and it didn't have that player screen. You the just had to like, you just had to have piles and then you'd just basically like say, what did, what did Francesca have? And then you'd look at her three cards and they'd be sitting on the table and then you put them face down and then you go back to your hand. But it just has all the information there as clear as can be, you know, it's color coded. So you know what p- color player has each piece of uh, information and it just makes it so easy. Uh, it has these 3D, um, acrylic clear acrylic crystal balls that you use as kind of like your who you when, you when you choose a when you choose a character or something you you mark it with your little crystal ball it has all sorts of it Each has a three-dimensional has a... clock that all it does is track the turns and there's only seven turns so it's just, it's yeah, just this each... clock broken clock that has seven numbers on it um the little envelopes I liked for each character. Yeah, when you find them. your murderer, you put them in an envelope, and at the end of the game, you have this little envelope of characters. Uh, so just, you know, as a product designer, I'm just looking at this thing, and I'm like, this is bonkers. Yeah, it's so good. And the and then the artwork itself is, especially, I really love the dream cards. Like, it was fun just getting, when somebody gets a card, you kind of just wanted to pass it around and look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like really. There and really there's a lot nice. of them too. I think there, there's almost like a hundred of the dream cards. So there's a lot of variety in the dreams. There's also because of the way the suspects cards and the location cards have a lot of details on them. So they'll be like they'll kind of be like a spread, and it will be like a photo of the chef, but then it's on top of a recipe, and it's got a, like a. a flour sprinkled on it and it has like a whisk over here and it has all sorts of things in it and it and it just packs the even the the um even the suspects and the locations and the items full of these details so you know you might the guy might be a general but maybe you give them a dream of gears because he's got medals on it and you're trying to make him think of the medals that are on his um, desk or something like that the other reason that's important too that i feel like you can't stress enough is that it's really hard to make connections like the the dreams it's in a good way it's hard but the dream pictures and the character pictures and all the pictures there's a billion ways you can go with them like it's a little bit like like i spy like that like you give somebody a card and you're like they're gonna totally look at the bird flying in the cloud and then they're like oh it's pink it's a pink oh it must it must be this grandma who has like a pink um you know she has a pink scarf on and then you're like what no what don't I'm, yeah, you know, and because it is, and, it's and the ghost can't say anything, right? The then ghost cannot; the they're ghost. not even supposed to react. Jenny was our ghost. She has done the worst job as being a ghost as I've ever seen I because her eyes were just like you could tell, and it was still really hard. But you could tell when was she was—you really were going down the wrong path. I tried not to look at her, and, I, and every time she said anything or made noises or peeps or grunts I didn't or, even, or like, whatever, I would never watch her expression. But she would always say something, and I'd be like, "Oh." No. <laughs> I was like, oh, "Yeah." She'd always it. just want to like. In, she, we'd be like, "Oh, look! It's definitely got you know like the sword in it. It must be. It must be the army guy." And she's like, "Also, don't forget to." And I'd be like, "Don't say anything, Jenny." Don't say it. Ghosts can't I talk. Like, my favorite was every time she handed us a card, she's like, you're never going to get this. Yeah, she's like, this one is very bad. And I was like, don't even say that. Because part of that is that when you get a card, 
you're not supposed to know if the ghost is confident and it's like, oh, clearly this has a castle on it. It must be the Scottish person because, they're, you know, like clearly right. this is what they're thinking. But if they're like, oh, well, this is very, I don't know about this one, then then you're not going to look for the obvious icons. So it really changes how you might approach right. like looking at the symbology and the, and the icons on the card. And there's there was like a difference. Like you can do anything. You can do anything. As the ghost, that's part of the reason it's so challenging is that Jenny could have handed over the pink card and expected you to just match colors if she mm-hmm. wanted to. She didn't tend to do that as much. Or she could do like like the one that she did for me for the character was like using like puns. <laughs> yeah, and I feel really bad. You can't be- talk. It was so, but it was it was kind of oh yeah she shouldn't have said that. But it was successful. She did a good job, you know, but I hear it was like looking because it was a barber and she handed you one with rabbits and it was like the hair. Yeah. And then there was, and also there was Rap- another one. That and there was Rapunzel. Rapunzel. So, yeah, okay. so, yeah, she's like, what's in both of them? <laughs> but like so you can do that or you can do the compositions similar or they, you know, so there's so many ways you can take it. Mm-hmm. And so if you say like this is really hard, then you start looking at like the blades of grass and are trying to find like a tiny little triangle to you know versus like if you think it's easy you'd probably go for the like your first impression because some of them were just like oh this one's blue and this one's blue and they both have like a circle shape right yeah it's a a really interesting game it's definitely um it's kind of like there's this game dixit where you are also using very similar cards where they're kind of like these abstract strange paintings but that one is more of an act i would say it's a little bit more of an activity Mm-hmm. where this really brings it all together as a game because you're really trying to go towards this goal of solving this murder. And basically what you do is everybody gets their collection of their one suspect, their one location, and their one weapon. And basically these are the people, places, and things that were present at the murder. So once all the psychics have worked together to get all these different suspects, um, the final round is you put out all the suspects with their locations, with their items. And then, so let's, let's say there's six psychics, you'd have six different people out there. And then during the final round, the ghost gets to choose three more cards. Again, this is always out of a hand of seven. So they don't get to look through the whole deck. They're just dealing with what they're given. Um, and they have to choose one card that represents the place, one card that represents the person and one card that represents the weapon. Then they shuffle them together. And then you get to look at one, two or three, depending on how well you did during the rest of the game. Um, and then basically everyone without talking, and this is the only part of the game where the investigators can't talk to each other. They all have to silently vote, um, on which one they think is the actual killer. And then you reveal it. And if the majority of people pick the actual killer, then you win the game. And if they don't, then you lose the game. Um, so it really, it, it kind of adds this like final tense moment because maybe you had a really easy time getting your suspect down, but then, um, there's this final thing where you might be positive, that these cards equal this thing, but nobody else is seeing that. So even though you might be positive, you're really hoping that the rest of the team sees what you see, but you can't really share that. It's, you know, you're just trusting their intuition in that case, um, which is interesting. And I don't think that existed in the final, in the in the um, original release. The um, It's a Ukrainian developed game, but it's, it, its first major release was Polish. And, and a lot of people bought it because it was such an interesting game, even though it was in Polish. But you don't need any language to play the game besides the part. So they didn't have the last phase? In yeah, the I believe they didn't. And I might be wrong. But one thing I know they didn't have is the clairvoyance track. And what that is, is you're given these little what are they called yeah they're like the little ouija board things and they either have um checks green checks or red x's on them three green checks three red x's 
Um, and when other people make a guess, so for instance, let's say you decided that this dream about a cheese-eating mouse was all about the gardener and not the chef, I might be like, well, obviously it's about the chef. It's a cheese. It's like ratatouille. It's so clearly obvious. I think Francesca's wrong. I can vote and say, I think Francesca's wrong with my red X token. And yeah. if she is wrong and I am right that she's wrong, <laughs> I get a point. I move up this little track um, and the further, and so that's the way you get points. You also get a few points if you, whenever you finish the game for each round. So if I finish the game in the fourth round, uh, I get three points for ha- not being to the seventh round. Um, right. And so basically the more points you get to see, the more cards you get to look at. So remember right. at the end, Jenny has three cards. She reveals one, whoever's in the first area, whoever didn't score very well, only gets to see that one card and then they have to make their vote, which is mm-hmm. really difficult to do. If you have more higher score, you get to look at two cards. And if you have a really high score, which none of us did, you get to look at all three cards. So we had to all vote before we even saw the third card. And we did good. But yeah. we, and we guessed it. And we, we did guess I, it, but we just barely, I think it was a, it was a, it was a split. It we was were, two to three. It was two to three. And, and I know we it. both guessed correctly. I, I got to think- see the most cards and that's why I probably guessed correctly. Cause I had no idea after the first card. I was like, I, pff, I don't know. You didn't. Oh, I know. I, I felt pretty good about it. I wasn't thinking too hard. I was like, I want to see the second card. I'm not going to like put a ton of brain work in it until I see two cards. That's probably for the best. But I also feel like one thing that was interesting about the last stage. And I think this is only, this is a fine thing that happens by that point. The ghost has worked with the people playing enough that they can kind of start to see how they think. So by you get by the time you get to that mm-hmm. stage, they're gonna. I the cards Jenny chose for the last murder were, I think, more representational, whereas in the beginning she was using a lot more, like, more abstract things. You know, like for instance the pun, and or so I think maybe or things she, like that. Right. So she she might have re- been reacting to the way that we were reacting to the cards. Mm-hmm. So she's like, okay, well. Now I know I can't the be so... link got stronger. Yeah, right. And I think that's fine, especially if you only get to see one card. Because the, I was worried when, when we got to that phase. I was like, there's absolutely no way am I going to be able to tell out of... Because originally you're, you're working with cards that are very similarly like laid out. Like So for instance, all the character cards are laid out the same way. And all the, the background cards are laid out kind of the same way. And then the same thing with the objects. At the end of the game, you have all the cards in all their different types of layouts. Mm-hmm. So you have to like pick from this one card out of all these cards, like which one it's the most or the which one which represents. Which one fits best, yeah. It just, I was like, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. But we did okay. We did it. So, yeah, we, we won. That's all it matters. In fact, I thought that was easy. That one was easier for me than any of the others. I had a really hard time getting <laughs> through that thing. Yeah, it was a good, it was a good, I mean, we won, but just barely. There were some people who just barely got their suspect on the seventh round. Yep. There was also obviously a lot of, it wasn't a obvious clear winner. I mean, it was an obvious clear winner because three people voted, but it wasn't a unanimous vote. No. So it was definitely, I think it was a really good difficulty. We played on normal. You can play okay. on easy, which I, I don't recommend playing any game on easy. Let's be serious. Come on. We, uh, we played uh, yeah. one game on easy, but we'll talk about that later. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, but that's not, yeah, anyway. But anyway, so I think it's clear that we both obviously really enjoy this game. Oh, man. I'm going to, this is another game. I'm probably, I'm for real putting this on somebody's Christmas list. Probably mine also. 
Yeah. I think my parents will love this game. It's really good. It's really good. It's a mystery game. So if you like mystery things, that that's awesome. And it's also one where you can just kind of basically sit down and play. There's not a lot of little bit mechanics, you know? It's okay. Just, yeah. And I, and then we can move on, but I do want to bring back when you say there's not a lot of mechanics. What did you think about the clairvoyance track and voting on other people's guesses? Uh, I, I, I thought it was fine. I did a poor job of it, but I thought it was a good, I don't know. I, the, there was, okay, there was something that frustrated me, and that was that once you spent your little Ouija board chips, mm-hmm. you couldn't get them back. Well, well you, you got them back once during the Yes, you round, get them back but, once. Which but, was really unclear in the rule book. The rule book for this game I found very difficult. Yeah. It is a simple game, but the rule book is laid out in a very strange way where it's not, uh, it doesn't flow to me with with what makes sense and what I want what information I want to know in what order and that thing about getting the clairvoyance tokens back in the fourth round was something that I only discovered because I was like you know with six clairvoyance tokens and the number of rounds in this game and you need to get three things it's impossible to score three cards or if yeah. it is you can only get just to the minimum score for looking at three final yeah. cards so then I was like that made me go investigate on board game geek and be like, you know, what are the ways, how, how come I can't get to the top score? Like, why does this scoreboard go this high if you can only go this high? And then somebody was like, Oh, the rule is, I didn't actually ask it, but other people had been asking it. And somebody was like, Oh, the rule book says in the fourth round, you get your clairvoyance tokens back. So basically you get to spend them once and then you get them all back halfway through the game and then you spend them again so that it just keeps you from in the fourth round, just racking up all the points, I guess. Yeah, and I, um, and the reason, and then once I knew that, I went through the book again, and I couldn't find it, and then finally I went in this forums again, and I found someone who said what page it was on, and then when I found what page it was on, it still was hard to find. It was like in a, it was like in a margin, and I was like, this is important information. This like seriously changes things, and I was like, you think it was a change because I was, I was wondering. So what I was gonna say is, I had the problem of betting my chips too early, especially the same. Like I would. I would bet all of my like green green check marks, mm-hmm. and then all I would have left were X's that I didn't want to use. I'd only want a green. The check greens mark. are a lot easier because when you're sure, you're like, oh yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, you're good. That's yeah. a good guess. But the other one, you're just like, I don't know. You could be wrong. I don't know. So it's easier. Right. You, everyone always spends your green ones and are left with some red ones to spend. Right. And I figured that that must just be because, I mean, maybe at one point there was a version of this game where you got them back after every round. Or every time everyone guessed, you know? Maybe. And then, well, like they, I said, they weren't in the original game. And right. I am, I think they're cool because once you make your guess, it gives you something to do and really yeah. like check in with your other people yeah. and say like, oh yeah, that's a good one. I'm going to do that. And it kind of gives you like one more thing to do, but also yeah. it needlessly complicates the game. And I think you could easily get this game and play Not it without play them. them. And just yeah. everyone gets to see three cards. Like yeah. who cares? Right. I, and I think that'd be fine. As someone who plays a lot of games, I probably will play with that just because it does add a level of complexity and strategy and something else to do. But if I'm going to play with my parents, I don't know if I'm going to use yeah. that. I think I, I probably won't. My, I wonder if the easy... Did you look at the easy Yeah, version you still is, use it. The easy oh, mode is just like, you know how you can you can basically discard a crow to refresh your hand as the ghost? Yeah. You yep. can do that every turn. Instead okay, of so only the, three times the ghost, the, the game. ghost has an easier time then. Yeah, and there's there's also less 
suspects. Like basically when we played, there was um, everyone had a suspect plus uh, X amount. So there was actually more than everyone had. So there was always yeah. a little bit of question of who was left. Whereas in the easy mode, if everyone got theirs, you would know who yours was because there's only one left. Yeah, it'd be left over. Yeah. So okay. it makes it harder that way too. But but yeah, I think it's a great game. I think that it it, it could be even more um, friendly if it didn't have the clairvoyance tokens, although I appreciate them at the same time. So I don't know. I'm kind of split on those, but uh, well, either way, I'll, it's a great game. I'll try, I'd try playing it without them, but, but I actually agree with you, I, especially at this point. I, if I was playing it with my sister or if I was playing with you, I would say we should just always use them yeah i think i was originally like i'm not going to use these when i when i was frustrated with the rule book and i was like i don't i'm not going to use like what's the point but then when we played it there is a lot of like interaction that happens with the players where you're like oh you know ian's always wrong here let's just give let's put all our wrongs on ian because he's never going to get it and it was just a lot of fun to to like vote on people and it was kind of like a vote of confidence and you're like oh and everyone says oh you're so right you're so right and then you're wrong and everyone was just like cursing themselves for casting their green check mark on you my favorite was when we would because we'd all discuss everybody's all the time and somebody would be like, I'm going to do this. And be like, yeah, it's probably a fine thing. And then we'd all put red checks on it. <laughs> be like, yeah, we don't actually think you're that right. Yeah. We just Maybe that's not so good. That's what's, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the other thing I think about that is, uh, or the other thing I think about the the other players, and it, it gives the other players a lot of chance to like have fun and talk to each other and you know interact in these funny yeah. ways. Um, yeah. I played it with only Lindsay and Jenny, and then I've also played it full player count, which is I believe seven people, six ghosts, one Whoa. Um, one investigator, one go- sorry, six investigators, one ghost. The game is super different. It is much more leisurely when there's two psychics. And they like, I would hand one to Jenny because basically you hand out all the cards and then you flip a sand timer and they have until the end of the sand timer to um, make their, to, to put out their guess. Um, and with Lindsay and Jenny, they both would make their guess and they had plenty of time to review the other person's guess and give their opinion about that one. But with six psychics, you are lucky if you have any idea, you might know what the people to the left and right of you are doing. But really, like a lot of times I found myself just being like, you know, the sand time is running down and I finally made my guess and maybe I put one on somebody that I knew what they were doing. And then I would just say like, who's blue? Why are you putting it on blue? And they'd be like, oh, because there's a, you know, there's a corn nut in here and I'm like wrong. And then I just put it down. You know, it was still cooperative, but it was much less cooperative because as a two player game, it was much, it was, it felt more like a puzzle kind of where people were just like. Oh yeah, you know it was very. It was easier for them to come to the conclusions. They finished in with turns to spare, and with more players, it is it is more of just. And the ghost has so many things to think about. They're like, okay, you know, I got to do all these people things. I felt bad for Jenny. I was like, man, this sounds like. I mean, she had a good time, I know, but it was like, wow, that is a lot of stuff for one person to handle. And I think that I I like it more with more people because I really like that kind of. Um, it's kind of like unknown information where you, you're making your best guess. And I kind of would put out my thing and see where everyone else would put theirs and then maybe adjust mine if someone else, you know, was putting theirs on mine. And I'd, I'd say like, why are you putting on this guy? And they'd say that. And I'd be like, yeah, that's a better reason than me. I'm going to move mine. Well, it's also the, I think a big part of that leisurely versus non-leisurely is the timer. Because so I can understand if you're playing with a group of people, like say you go to a place and you play with people, 
you might ha- not be passing cards as much, but when we played, we played with a fairly big group of people. How many were there? Five? There five. Five. Yeah. So six people total. And we we were pretty vocal with each other. Like we'd every time anybody got a card, we'd be like, hey, what'd you get? Yeah. And sometimes what'd we'd be just like, I have no clue. And you'd hand it over and be like, do you see anything? I This is garbage. And right. We, would, like, we were very... And be like, Jenny, this is garbage. Stop <laughs> giving me garbage. But the, but the thing that really kind of would make it hectic is that we you turn the timer on and then if there would be like a handful of people that hadn't made any decisions yet it was like somebody put something down yeah you know we've, we've got to put down five tokens and there's only two on the board right now so somebody put something down so i don't know it was really good though i it's love it it's a great it. game i love it it's great i wish we could have played it more than once but i will i will play it again so yeah it's really good all right, which brings us to kind of our final game, which is a big one, which is a little bit older, but we've been I've been gunning to play it with you since I got it, which is XCOM, the board game. Mm-hmm. Yep. And XCOM is something I was really excited about with XCOM being my like one of my favorite video game franchises of all time. I when Fantasy Flight announced it, you know, it was designed by Eric Lang, which is just a really great designer. Um he's designed a lot of our favorite games. Uh, Fantasy Flight is a publisher I love, near and dear to my heart, being in Minneapolis or Roseville. Um, And so I head over to Fantasy Flight Game Center whenever I get the chance. Um, So I was super excited about XCOM. And then you left, like, right when it came out. Yeah. That's... uh... (laughs) I might have even had it, and then you left, and we just never got to play it. I don't remember, but I remember it was I know, I think it was... I don't think you did, because I don't remember. I did not... You didn't see the components, yeah. I saw it in real life was at the game store here, so... Yeah. So we've been trying to get this one played for a long... I mean, obviously, we can't play it online because it is a co-op game, and it's Mm -hmm. a very unusual co-op game because it is a co-op game that also has app integration. So you do need a iPad or iPhone or a website. You can actually call it up on a website. You don't need a a tablet or smart device to use it. But um, it basically tracks your time. It tracks what's happening in the game. and of course, when I knew this, I had a lot of faith in Fantasy Flight and Eric Lang and, and Firaxis in general, who makes XCOM, that it would turn out well. But it was very different than I thought, because XCOM is a strategy game where a lot of it is tactical. You're sending guys out, you're dealing with like grid movement. Uh, it was actually prototyped as a board game, so it seems like so obvious to make a miniatures game where you're moving yeah. guys around and you're moving aliens around and you're fighting. But they yeah. totally didn't do that. They totally did not do that at all. It is basically you are all sitting around a command table making decisions about budgets, about um, deploying troops, but not, you know, it's really not tactical at all. It's just like, should we send them? Should we not? Are they good for the job? Or are they not? About researching technology. It's about, um, you know, just dealing with threats as they come in and just trying to deal with all these things as they, as they just fly in your face. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm really. It really I, is like any, unlike anything I've ever played. I'm I mean, really, it's really glad bizarre. they did what they did and didn't go with the the XCOM just like direct translation like to board D&D game. XCOM. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see like I thought the same thing when it came out. I was like, well, that makes sense because it, it, XCOM as a video game does feel pretty like a board game. It is like pretty it much is a like a D and D thing. You get two movement. You get two action points. You can move twice. You can move into a yeah, ability. You know, it's abilities. Like very, yeah, yeah. It's very D and D or very yes. just tabletop tabletop game. gaming. Yeah, but I, I mean, the main reason I'm happy about what they did is because it it still feels very very ex. It has like the right flavor of the type of game that it is, but it's a different experience. 
So you're yeah. not just getting the same experience only in in board game form. Yeah, and and so basically how this game works is each player takes a different role on four different sides of the board. One person mm-hmm. is the commander. They're in charge of things like the budget and deploying interceptors, which are basically airplanes who deal with UFOs. Um, and they also have some ability cards that they can use to help other people at the table. And everyone has some of those. Um, there is a, um, and now I'm going to forget all the, all the, the labels, but there's a squad leader who's squad in leader, charge, yeah. basically in charge of troops. He's in charge of who goes where, um, on missions or to defend the base. That's really their only job. Um, there's a scientist who's in charge of researching technologies, um, and they have a very kind of passive role compared to the other two, I feel like, but they it's a really important role. It's possibly one of the most important roles because that technology makes or breaks your game or mm-hmm. your, you know, how, how well you do. Yeah. And the last one, um, is it communications officer? Something like that. I just remember that he's orange. Basically. Yeah. It's the orange player and they, I think they're com- the comm officer, but, um, they're basically in charge of the app just basically relaying the information in the app as soon as it comes in. And they're also in charge of deploying, deploying satellites. And of course, everyone has ability cards that they can use too. And those get more th- as the game goes because those are granted by the science that you research. Basically, um, the science goes to different areas. If it's pink, it goes to the pink player. If it's green, it goes to the green player. If it's, you know, whatever. So it, it's really obvious to see who gets what tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically what you do is there's a timed phase where all you're really doing is making decisions. And it's really fast. You get like eight seconds, 16 seconds, four seconds to do really simple actions. You're doing things like counting out the budget or deciding if you should deploy airplanes to which continents. There's, you know, there's only seven continents. So you're, or six continents really, because Antarctica is not counted. So it's just like, should I deploy that? You know, should I deploy airplanes here? How many should I deploy? You get 15 seconds to decide. Um, Everything you're deploying, you know, troops going out, um, what troops are going where, uh, which scientist, how many scientists you're applying to each research thing. But really, it's really, really, really simple. It's basically like I'm going to research this card and I put two, um, you know, microscope chits here to say that two scientists are working on it. Um, and that's all you're doing. You're drawing some cards to see what bad things happen. Um, is there anything I'm forgetting? That's pretty well, much I, what you're doing, right? That's pretty much it. It's, yeah, getting, and you, like you said, you get different cards that will kind of add to your abilities. Mm-hmm. So they're just, it's like, it's kind of like keeping track of your specific You're just tasks. like juggling plates. Yeah. And kind of, you know, like I said, the, the commander is in charge of the budget and mm-hmm. everything you're putting onto the board, you can basically think of it like everything you're putting on the board, whether it's planes, satellites, scientists, or troops, cost money. Mm-hmm. They're going to cost money. You might have $13 that round. There's a few ways to finesse the budget, but not really. You're pretty much set at that limit. Um, and it's just like... This crisis is really important. We need troops over here. Commander, are my, you know, do we have it in our budget to do this? Can I do this? Is this mm-hmm. impo- is this technology more important than defending Australia? Yeah. Um and you're doing all these things just at like a really breakneck pace. Like Yeah. It's they're not hard to do, but it's really the timer that's making it difficult to make these decisions because you yeah. don't have time to talk about it. You don't have time to you know, you, you have limited time to make any real decisions. And, it, and it's really about each player saying, like, in my area, this is what is important right now. Like, South America is seriously in jeopardy. This is what isn't crucial. Can we make this work? Um, and you make all the decisions. It probably, the timed phase probably lasts about, what, three minutes? 
Yeah, something. I mean, I remember there was one round where it was really long. And just and then more. I mean, as you go on, it gets worse and worse and worse. Yeah. The app keeps track of your progress. And basically, no matter what happens, the end of the game is always going to be intense because it just it just hits you and it knows you're getting close to the end and it scales things up and there's more invasions and there's more people breaking into your base and there's more bad things happening all around the planet. Mm -hmm. um, but basically, it lasts three to five minutes. After that, there's a resolution phase where you go around and you basically audit your budget. You say, how many things did we actually put on the board? If you go over, it's bad news. If you didn't go over, you can spend the surplus to like buy troops back and buy airplanes back and do good things. So it's good to be a little bit under budget just so you can get a few things back because things will die a lot because it's XCOM. Mm -hmm. um, and then you get to basically go through everyone's job and resolve it. So if, if, if Ian as the uh, squad leader assigned troops to a mission, he r resolves what happens on the mission. And he does and that. resolve with dice rolls. It's a dice roll and it's really simple. It's uh, a six-sided dice that has two successes and four failures and one eight-sided dice that basically is the threat level. And whenever you start a task, like fighting an alien, researching a piece of equipment, um, you know, battling a uh, airplane against a UFO, you start at threat level one and you get as many dice as you have assigned to it. So if you have two airplanes assigned to this task, you roll two of the um, six-sided dice that have the successes and one eight-sided dice. And if you roll a success, then you successfully did it. Congratulations. And if you didn't, then you get to try again. However, the, the red dice, which is the threat die, um, if it ever is equal to or below the threat level for the task, you just die. Everyone on the task dies. <laughs> and that's horrible. Um, so what that basically means is because it starts at threat level one, the first time you roll a dice, if you roll a one on the red threat die, you lose, you're dead. But if you don't and you need to try again, you move the threat level up one and or you move it up one to two, you roll again. If you roll a two or one, you die. And if you need to roll again, you move it up to three. If you roll three, two, one, you die and so on and so forth. So it just continually gets more and more dangerous the longer you're doing a task, basically is what that means. Yes. Yeah, so um, like all across the board, this game, it just kind of builds on difficulty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically you just resolve all your tasks by rolling these dice. Either you succeed or you don't. The app doesn't inter interfere that much. It's really not tracking that much. It's basically tracking, did you complete missions? Did your base get overrun? Um, did you destroy all the UFOs that were in orbit or on the board? Um, and are any of the countries panicked? Because as um, bad things happen, different countries get more and more panicked. They move along this panic track. If any two countries get completely like in a riotous state, uh, you lose the game. So you want to make sure to manage like, you know, America's really panicked. So we got to make sure to protect America even more than ever, because if they go any higher, we're going to lose. So um, you're basically just trying to manage risk. Uh, and, and then you resolve all your tasks and then you start the time phase again, and then you do the rolling phase and then the time phase. And you continue to do that until you, uh, achieve enough missions to unlock the final mission. And if you can beat the final mission, you win the game. Yep. Another thing that the tablet or whatever device you're using does is the, the timing is extremely necessary. And without the tablet, I feel like it wouldn't really work. It wouldn't, yeah. it would be, it would to be a simple 
simple game. Yeah. The things that you are doing without a timer, without pressure, are not that difficult <laughs> at all. No. And if you and- can sit there and talk and kind of quarterback it and be like, okay, well, I know this is a problem, but this is a bigger problem. So let's do this, 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 and this, and this. Okay, break. Let's do it. Instead, you don't know what's going to happen. You're not make. You don't have a hundred percent complete information when you're making your decisions. If you're no. assigning a airplane, if you're designing your airplanes, you might assign them all, and then after that, more UFOs might fly down to the planet, and you don't have anything there. But it's too late because you're past the assigning phase. So, and the other thing is, you while you can talk to people, and it's important to talk to your team. You don't necessarily have enough time to talk a lot to them. Right. So you, you kind of sometimes have to just make decisions based on, like you have to make judgment calls and right. decide that, because okay, they're well, trying is- to figure out things while your, your turn is happening right. and you're trying to figure out things while their turn is happening. So you right. can ask each other questions and try and get updates about what they think they waste- need. But everyone's thinking about what they need to do all the time during the time phase. And you have seconds to do these things. Yes. So, so you don't want to waste time talking. Right. So, In fact, I feel like when I was making decisions, it was more of like, this is what I'm doing. Does anybody have a problem? Okay, good. <laughs> and sometimes it was like, yeah, I have a problem. I need yes. to do this. I mean, Felicia and you really kind of yeah, well, Felicia, <laughs> had a moment where Felicia's like, nobody cares about the science. Science doesn't get any money. Why? You so know, we the military found that is the, getting all the, the money. The game reflects real life. It is very much like a little tiny um, politics government. simulator where everyone needs money and there's only so much money and right. everyone's fighting for and it. And science gets it last. And science usually gets it last. Well, I got it last, but yeah. my satellites did not get deployed you, very often. You weren't, yeah, you weren't. You weren't a loud contender for the money, so so I. I the role my, that I, had, uh, my, I didn't need it. I mean, it wasn't a big deal. I got to be in control of the money, and and Felicia was the scientist, so she was frequently asking for money. And in the beginning, I was like, "Sure, take as much as you want." And towards the end, I was like, "I can't give you anything because we have too many." Yeah, we're like, we want out. that te- we want that technology, but honestly, we need to put it into our troops, or we need to put it into you know what into other the military. things. Yeah. Yep. Mainly the military, but um, and it doesn't always work out that way. We were playing a, and there's a few different missions that kind of set up the stage for the game. And this was the infiltration mission. So it was really all about things coming onto your base and just attacking, attacking, attacking. So um, it was more troop heavy than some other ones are. So in but other we, cases, we might need something else. We did play it on easy. Well, the though- reason we played it on easy is because... If you played on normal or hard or any other of the difficulties, you cannot pause the app. Right. And in this case, because it was a learning game, I needed to pause it so I could explain, especially only really during the first round. Yeah, I we needed did to pause it because the easiest way to teach it is to just do it and say, okay, do this. The app says do this. And then I pause it and I say, okay, when it says this, you just need to draw two cards, look at them and choose the lesser of two evils and then you know you put the one that you want on the board and you discard the one that's worse yeah and that's all you need to do it's super easy to explain but you do just need to pause it do it and then once everyone has done it once or twice there's no more pausing that really needs to happen yeah which is unfortunate because i end up playing you know i end up usually teaching like one person so i'm kind of always playing at this easy level which i think is just unlimited pausing if you play on normal you get a like 30 second pause through the entire game and so it, you can it, use that 30 seconds whenever you feel well you can use it but once yeah you you it's not 30 second pause it's 30 seconds of pause so you can pause it for three seconds and then you can pause it for 10 seconds and you can okay, pause it for yeah. 20 seconds and then you're out of pause yeah so that's kind of the difference which you know 
whatever. So it's like a buffer time that you yep. get to use. Yep. Okay. And there's also during, you know, there's certain abilities that can only be triggered during the time phase. And in every other one, you get like one or 30 seconds at the end of the time phase to use any abilities that you might need to use where we, mm-hmm. it would just say like, use all your abilities that you didn't get to use now. And we had its limited, unlimited time to do that. Mm-hmm. If we played on normal, we would only have 30 seconds to do that. You know what? This is a very weird correlation, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Uh, it reminded me, it, does, it doesn't, did not remind me of this. It reminds me right now of a bigger more fleshed out version of space team it is similar to space you, team it okay. is very similar to the ios app space team which is an awesome app yes um but it is very much like everyone's yelling at each other they need things it's very high pressure it's urgent and everybody has a different role and that that's part of the reason i loved this game so much was that and this is part of the reason why i like netrunner so much is that it isn't that everybody is capable of doing the same thing and I know that I guess that's a lot of games, but with this, it feels like your role is really custom to you. Like you need mm-hmm. to know everything that you have to do. All of your tasks are going to be completely different from everybody else's and you have to be on top of that. And I think that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we have waited almost a year, maybe more than a year to play it. Almost a year. No, not almost, almost a year. Not, yeah, it's like nine months. Um, we've waited almost a year to play it. Did you? Did it live up to what you thought it would be? Yes, except I didn't, I didn't, so you you had described to me kind of what it was like, mm-hmm. so I knew that when you told me, I knew it was not like the video game after you told me, Right. but I didn't know what that meant until I played it, and I love it. I really love it. I am sad that it's, you have to have four people basically to play it. Well, it says on the box one to four players, and I have played it with one player. I have played it with two players, and I have played it with three players. So I played it with everything. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and it I guess obviously it would. is ideal with three. It's obviously ideal with four players, four, three yes. other players, I should say. So and and we I, that's unfortunate because you know you really need exactly four, no more, obvi- no more at all because you cannot fit another player in, no, no. matter how you figure it. And no. hopefully, no less. Although somebody could easily be the um, person two. who runs the app. And maybe the scientist or something like that, because they're kind of like the lesser of the two roles where there's less things to do. Yeah. Um, but no, it was it was awesome. I actually, I didn't, I don't know if I expected to like it as much as I did. Like I'm, I think I said this, but I would put it on my top 10 yeah. of games right now. It's pretty good. It's like good. It, it gives you a headache to play it sometimes. It's a lot of, it <laughs> yeah. doesn't let you calm down but it's good no and i wasn't expecting that either because we had i think right before that we were playing mysterium and and that i mean it was a thinky game but everything else felt so like we're just like evenly paced and kind of just we're just strolling along and then this game started and i was like whoa 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 (laughs) wait i was supposed to be counting money like i I was not prepared for that (laughs) it was pretty good though it was great and once you get the swing of it it's actually it's fun is challenging fun you know yeah and i would like to knock up the difficulty i think it's I really would fun. switch up the roles sit in a different chair i think it's in you know diff- do different missions i think there's yes. a lot of replayability yeah, i think you it's can a play really, it over and over yeah for sure and there's in circles like it's just a like, lot different than other co-ops too so it yes. doesn't you know like forbidden island feels a lot like pandemic yes. um uh grizzled uh, feels a little bit like um oni rim or however you mm-hmm. say that game. Uh, Elgator is kind of like 
Elder, Elder Sign, kind of, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but it's also Eldritch Horror. I like Eldritch Horror, but it also is like, a, it's very story heavy, which makes it long. Yeah. And I like that, but that's not always the best thing mm-hmm. to have. And I think if you weren't pausing XCOM, it would probably be quick. Be hard to clock in at over an hour, maybe. Yeah, no, I think so. I think we could, now that we know how to play, we could just, you could just do it because mm-hmm. it, it has to be fast. I mean, the rolling phase can go slow depending on how slow people are to just like gather up their dice, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. But the the time phase is fast. There's no real reason to to kind of, there's no reason to drag it out, you know? And that actually I think is beneficial too because it, you're more inclined to make decisions if you don't, I don't know, you kind of just want to play the game and see if you win, you know, do the Mm -hmm. best you can, but you're not going to sit there and like with, Eldritch Horror, you're sitting there and we're meticulously trying to figure out, okay, if you use your two turns to do this and I use my two turns to, you know what I mean? Yep. Or and, that's this- the, and that's the problem with every co-op game. And that's one of the problems that Eric Lang set out to solve with XCOM is just like, how can we stop players from Pre-planning. Know, analysis paralysis seeing this thing to the ground? Right. I'll just put a timer on it. They can't. Right. You know, they, they will can't. die. And that you can, you, it's still cooperative. Like you're still. It's definitely cooperative. I feel like it's more cooperative because everyone is just like contributing what they can. Everyone's invested in everything and they're all kind of like shouting, but nobody is controlling. Nobody is saying, no, like, this is and what we need to do. Actually, yeah, that's actually, I was just, it, it occurred to me that because of the time limit, you, there can't, one person can't just jump in and be like, here, let me show you what you should do. Like, because you don't, you yourself have things to keep track of you have like the best idea of what is going on in your realm right where they are they might be aware of what's going on but you have the details you're the expert you know it's kind yeah, of it is very much like you know a government or something like that where there's the security officer and you you know you're like what's the status the commander might make some of the decisions or the squad leader might make certain decisions but they might refer back to like what's coming down the pike or something like that yeah yeah they've read all the cards and there's no time for anyone else to read the cards and then like like you said, it's not that long of a game that you wouldn't you would just you'll play it and then just play it again if you lose. You know, you'll feel like it's fine. It's not doesn't have a crazy setup. Like mm-hmm. it's pretty quick, I think. Yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's got some setup. It's got a well, lot the, of cards and a lot of pieces and a lot it does of have a lot of pieces, but it's okay compared to Elder Signs or Elder Shore. <laughs> yeah. Elder Shore is like the biggest setup. Well, in yeah, the world. No, you're comparing it to like this massive monster of a game, but Game of Thrones yeah <laughs> it's like an hour setup and, and then you play for like three hours but no it's great and we won and we did win which was by amazing by the teeth, skin of our teeth if we, we didn't win so if ian didn't us. roll well perfectly we would basically. have lost yep and which i thought we would because ian is notorious for just somehow ben. always being the worst at rolling he did the, this game he, he did a pretty good job with rolling in general i'd say he did okay we no, lost the, him, guys <laughs> he did yeah well the, I get like you said this is you did not I you could not take not, down a UFO to save your life I did not until the, my last turn oh yeah that's right I you had that it. massive one yeah you, had, I, you killed I, like five I, UFOs with one ship or I, something yeah I just wiped every UFO off the board and I was really worried too because I think if I hadn't we would have lost we would have like, panicked out we would have panicked before Ian would have got a chance to fight yeah. the final mission right I'm glad yeah. and I kind of like when I was I remember at that point, I was like, I hope we just roll well, because I just, at the very least, just want to get to that point, even if we don't win. At least win. attempt the final mission instead yeah. of like having the guys, on, they're already on the airplane to the final mission, and then you're just like, call it home. 
We've Everyone's already Everyone's angry. We've already lost. Yeah, no, but we won. And yep. and it was Which is amazing. I haven't was, won that game that many times. I've won it maybe once or twice. Well, we played it we did play it on easy, so That's there's true. that. Yep. And we also did some stellar dice rolling at the end. But yep. Yeah. It was good. Yep. I like it. Like I said, it's on my I think it's on my top ten. So Cool. Well, hopefully someday we can play it again. Yes. It is not a game you can play on Skype. No way, I know how. No, no. You have to be very present. Yeah. So anyway, that's pretty much it. The only other game I was going to talk about was Netrunner. We should just save it for another podcast. This was supposed to be a one half hour podcast <laughs> and we are approaching an hour and a half. So mm-hmm. I think we need to stop it. I will just yeah. say Netrunner, even though XCOM might be in your top 10, Netrunner is probably higher. Net- Netrunner is right now on my board game heap is number one. So. It is an amazing, amazing game if you have someone to play it with. And a new expansion came out. So that's and why we, we were went and made a special trip to fantasy flight the on halloween night at 11. On halloween night at 11 45 15 minutes before they closed um the nice man let us in even though no one was there which no is amazing one. because on saturday night at fantasy flight it is usually booming but obviously people have other things to do on halloween i guess except for us yeah. so we made a trip to the holy land of fantasy flight event center and picked up the new netrunner expansion straight from the source Mm-hmm. Uh, the source being Fantasy Flight, not the be- source being the excellent it's game so store three blocks from Fantasy Flight. When did um, it come out? Did it come out last week? Well, technically it came out at Gen Con, but then but it, I mean, like, it came out. It? Yeah, it, it came out to the like full public Wednesday, maybe at Fantasy Flight and then other game stores on Friday, I think. So okay, we, li- I, we got it like literally like within the first is, day or two. I was wondering because I, I was thinking that as I was buying it, if if they even have it here yet they might not yeah i figured they might not. i mean game releases are so weird they're like yeah we got one and then somewhere else they're just like no we won't have it for weeks and you're just like why i don't understand yeah i figured um so yeah so we played netrunner as well which was amazing to play it in person again it's fun to play it on skype but there's nothing like playing it in person no it's way it's it's easier and i I don't know i think it's faster because we don't have to read each other's cards to each other um yeah so that's it. That's all we played. Everything was lot. great, it seemed like. Yeah, no, I, I don't have any. There were no games that I didn't like. And there are a couple in there that I will buy. And then there are a couple that are my favorites list. So That's awesome. Yeah, good good picks. Yeah. And well, we and there were a handful of games we didn't get to play. But next Yeah, time I was going to ask. My final question was going to be, are there any games that you really had your heart set on playing that we just did not? And we don't have to talk about why, really. Just like name a couple that you maybe well, had on our list that you just this is my sad. fault but Kemet was one you brought out and then i was like oh shoot I yeah i played it i played it with ian when he went and got a coffee with some person. yeah yeah yes and i Kemet's I awesome Kemet is awesome um i also i kind of knew this wasn't going to happen but and i it wouldn't have been a wise use of our time but i would have <laughs> liked to have played either game of thrones or eldritch horror just because those are games that there i know like two people who will play them and it's you and Ian. Yeah. Cause I don't know anybody else who can handle it and I don't know if I ever will. Um, but that would be a six hour game. That would not be a wise use of our time. Uh, what other games? Let me think. We talked about dead of winter. I wouldn't mind playing dead of winter also, but there's games that I haven't played. And I think in, in this case, we played all games that I haven't played before, except for Netrunner. Mm-hmm. So that, that was my biggest priority was getting 
a bunch. You know, I haven't played Oni Room yet either. Well, it's That's- kind of a solo game. It has a co- co-op mode that is kind of tacked on, so it's not a real big deal. But um, the two that I thought I would like to get to the table that we didn't was Operation Faust. Oh, that's right. Which is I actually a World bought War that II, game. Um, kind of bluffing game about reclaiming art from yeah, um, the I Nazi did want to play that, one. which is a really cool, kind of somewhat grounded in hist- history game. And then, of yeah. course, one game I knew we wouldn't play, but I would love to play is a study in Emerald. Oh, yep. That, that well, study in Emerald goes under my Game of Thrones Eldritch Horror. Yeah, that's thing, a big where- game. It's a it's a big game, but it's it's not just that it's a big game. It's a big game that like I I know like two people that will play it. Yeah, that one is probably even more complex than the other. More ones. more obscure, yeah. yeah. But so that just means we have to do this again. So next can, time, yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, that so, concludes the whirlwind tour of the games that we played when Francesca was in <laughs> Minneapolis <laughs> for Halloween in 2015. Hope. I wonder if anyone is still tuned in at this point, and if you are, thanks for listening. Also, you should tell them about game night because I think that's happening this week, huh? I'll tell them at the beginning. Oh, okay. But I'm all right. Of that, so. Yeah, I know. Well, you are one of the original founders of game night with me. Yeah, I'm you sad. You and Jenny, I, I think both, but um, I think I'm you sad. had more passion for it than Jenny. Because I was at the when I was at the show, and I was running to people or seeing people that go to your game night that I've never met before in real life, and I was like, man, game night has gotten so much bigger. You're like, man, these could all be my best friends. Well, I, or it's just that, like, in the very early days, we basically play one game. It sounds like these days you play lots of games or there's lots of tables. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. So, it's fun. Yeah, that's cool. See, that's so, what I'm jealous of. So maybe someday. someday. Yeah, someday. We'll see. We'll Skype you in. <laughs> that would be funny <laughs> on a projecting screen. Yeah, it'll be great. They'll just be like a giant... Head of Francesca overseeing Ugh. the game night. I got a small fix. Now I want to play more board games like right now. <laughs> well, it's uh, 1 a.m. where I am, so I'll probably not play any. Okay. I can still play some in Seattle. Yeah. Well, I'm going to let you go. Thanks for joining me, Francesca. Maybe we'll Thank do you. this next time we have a giant podcast snafu and we need a uh, random episode filled in there. Okay. All right. Sounds good.